Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello, and welcome to episode 70, Falling in Love with the Heart. Chris Ann Cravens guides people out of anxiety and back into life. As a holistic health coach and wellness center owner, her core training is in the modalities of deep tissue massage, Reiki, herbal studies, yoga, and body talk. She is adept in guiding her clients through a wide range of emotional, physical, and spiritual transitions in the most effective and transformative way possible. Chrisanne suffered poor health as a child. A tragic loss in early adulthood led her on a holistic journey that turned her health around. She left a corporate career to pursue a path in the performing arts and then trained in the natural healing field. In today's episode, we talk about the power of tuning into your heart. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today I have a wonderful guest, Chris. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Of course, yes. Glad to be here. I always start the podcast talking about love and what your journey was to falling in love with yourself. So essentially, I'd love to hear your a small part or, you know, a bit of the, the bit of it, you know, it's a long journey, but how you fell in love with yourself and became the woman you are today. All right. Well, of course, yes, that is a loaded question, huh? Um, many years, but I would have to say after having the family dynamic that involved a lot of anxiety. Um, my mother was sick from the time I was 12, um, in and out of surgeries, things like that. So there's just a lot of overall stress in our family life, um, discord and whatnot, um, that, that came with that. And so I guess you could say I kind of was troubled a bit inside emotionally growing up, um, trying to figure it out. Um, and I was a lot of emotional outbursts and whatnot really trying to, to figure it out. I was just feeling so much feeling. Um, and what I know now is I was feeling everybody's stuff. And eventually as time went on, um, I got um, guided into a holistic path, um, became a deep tissue therapist, uh, yoga, um, discovered the body talk system, which I can elaborate on a little later if you'd like. Um, And really all of that came to be when my mother passed away. Um, She was 49, I was 28. And it was to be the morning of my wedding, it was planned. And she accidentally died of a prescription drug overdose the night before and we found her that morning. So it was a very traumatic day. Um, And really, really a monumental moment in my life. It changed how I looked at health. I had watched her really just for 16 years, just ingesting prescription medications and doctors didn't know what to do with her. She had all these, you know, Crohn's disease, disease, ulcerative colitis. Eventually they named fibromyalgia um, and just a big list of things. And they were, you know, they did the best they could at the time, I suppose. Um, And she, she accidentally overdosed. And so from that moment, 
I really wanted nothing to do with prescription drugs. And I even went as far as to not take Tylenol or ibuprofen when I had a headache. I was just like, nope, get that stuff away from me. There has to be another way. There has to be a healthy way to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to do the same thing my mother did. I don't want to get sick like that. I don't want to spend my life miserable like that. And I really dove into the healing arts that I mentioned, the massage, the yoga, the body talk, Reiki, uh, anything I get my hands on, cranial sacral therapy. Um, and what the central premise of all of that was, was go figure, self-love, connecting with the heart. So all of the teachings were pointing to the same thing. And I really had what I'm going to call an emotional hangup. It was... I, I knew I was emotional. I knew I could get triggered at certain things and I was trying not to, I didn't want to cry at certain stuff, but I would, it, I just couldn't help it. I'd go there and it was frustrating. I didn't want to cry all the time. I didn't want to be frustrated all the time. And, and with all of these modalities, I started learning that really diving into that center of the heart through meditation, quieting the mind, really starting to listen to what was within and what my body was signaling, um, where it was happy, where it wasn't happy. Um, and, and that was why I was so emotional. I wasn't happy. So kind of making a, a longer story as short as I can, um, seven years after my mother died, I ended up on a treatment table with my very first body talk session ever. Um, I was doing a trade with um, a yoga teacher and I didn't realize until the end of the session that it was the anniversary of her death. And we had toggled the date around because we were doing trade and, you know, we had to take care of our paying clients first. And, and we bumped it around a few times and it was a Wednesday, I remember. And in the session, I had no idea what the session was. My friend's like, oh, you got to do this. It's so great. You know, I, I got help so much. You got to go see this lady, Miriam. And in the session, we, she started working, um, using a little muscle testing to ask my body what was going on and guiding her through her protocol chart. And she got to a point where she was saying that the emotions and things that I were, was feeling were from my mother and from the family dynamic from when she was little. All of the hardships she had gone through, she had had an abusive alcoholic father, you know, one of those familiar stories from the 50s. And she had carried that with her. And so in that session, there was like the separation that happened for me to where I could see the dynamic of the family. I could see my role in it and their role in it. And, and what wasn't mine and what was mine. It was just this, it was so, um, it was this lightening of the load for me, a, a lightness in the heart. And in her Brazilian accent, she was trying to describe what she was picking up of, you know, this, this kind of chaotic family dynamic. And I said, Oh, you don't need to explain. I totally see it. And it was almost like this little hologram had floated up above my heart, above my chest. And I could just see this whole image of the story that I had been part of. And we did some tapping techniques on the heart and the brain and the gut and some other places in the body. And, and it, what we really did was we grounded out my nervous system. We lightened these triggers we, so that my brain, my heart, my gut could all look at situations from the now moment rather from that, that dynamic, that old story 
from that place of hardship. And so it really catapulted me forward. I started um, getting more sessions and really unraveling all this, this stuff. And what I really started to realize is a lot of the chaos that I thought was mine, I was picking up from people around me. Yeah. And once I learned how to separate that, it's like, okay, this is my junk and that's their junk. Let's separate this and I can work on my own self, ground myself, love myself. And now I can be available for other people. I like to tell the story that I used to get sucked into people's stories. A, a friend would come over, their dog died, for example, or their boyfriend left them. And they were just distraught, crying. I would join them. I would cry with them. And, you know, there's a place for that. But I would, like, dive into the pain with them. And, and I wasn't any help for them getting them out. I was just kind of in the, in the pity pot with them. So after the body talk sessions, that became totally different for me. I was really able to ground myself and hold steady for people and hold space, um, which allowed them to, to get in connection with their hearts and start to really connect with, with that self-love for themselves. So that kind of as short as I can maybe get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's amazing how traumatic moments in our life define who we are, and we could either take that opportunity to grow or we can take that opportunity to wallow in self-pity. So it's an amazing, right. it's amazing and a blessing that you chose to use it as a launching pad into a new version of yourself. Yeah, yeah, I just, the path that I saw her go down, just, I, I, that wasn't okay with me. <laughs> like, no, I'm not okay doing that. I want to do something else. Yeah. And... And the healing arts have really opened the, those doors for me. Um, and then now that I, you know, through the years evolved and, and, and now I'm facilitating for people, it's just so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Um, I like to tell people with this modality that um, a lot of these, these old traumas that get stuck in our bodies and things that cause pain and emotions and can be physical pain too. Um, those things like... I learned as a deep tissue therapist, we hold on to that stuff and it can come up at weird times or, or we try not to let it come up. And the breath is a lot of that. So when we mm -hmm. lock down our breath, we're locking down emotions because we don't want to stir up any of that old stuff. Maybe we're like, oh, okay, it's good over there. Well, let's just keep it tucked away. Mm -hmm. And when we start breathing deeply, that stuff can start to come up to be released. And a lot of times for people that's scary um, so they're going to a counselor, they're talking about it, have to kind of relive it. It can be traumatic. They, you know, so much they don't even want to go to therapy because they don't want to have to relive the experience. So with body talk, what I found is when we're releasing these traumas, we're asking the body what it wants to do first using this, this muscle testing, what's a priority. And so the body knows how it wants to release in a way that's more easeful. And I like to say it's more palatable. So it's not this big up ripping up and of this sludge nasty stuff that you stuffed for a reason um it comes up in a nice kind of a light way um almost like a, a, a breath of relief for a lot of people um and sometimes if they if they have an emotional release it can be just a gentle little tear down the side with a sign like oh okay i get it this it's this aha moment that happens um 
with, with different levels of the body, mind, and spirit. And when that gets connected, that, that sense of relief in the heart and the chest is, is just amazing. Um, and, and to be able to integrate that shift with these tapping sequences um, is really bringing in a lot of the, the quantum physics and the, uh, the modern science. We're measuring all this stuff and we're seeing what happens in the body when we do tap um, and the body goes into action um, and really helping to um, rewire the thoughts, rewire the patterns and kind of do it in a more efficient way than typically um, we've seen in the past over the years, over decades. Yeah. So it's a, a nice, nice um, tool coming in for our time, I think. I agree. I also find it, most of us, almost everyone has gone through trauma or something traumatic mm -hmm. in their life or emotionally triggering or painful. And I know for myself, talking is good, but I'm definitely not a talker. Like for me to sit and process is not... Mm -hmm. um, something I voluntarily want to do. But physically, I know that if I process it emotionally, energetically, and physically, then I could release the mental part. Like I always want to go into my body because I find like there's less, my mind can't get lost in the conversation that my body's having because it's its own mechanism. Yes. Like, and I really appreciate the body doing the thing. Like we go to the bathroom, we have a period, like we, we have babies, like we do things that are going to be automatic and you can't mm -hmm. really talk yourself out of it. Right. If you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. There's no way that you can like right. create some kind of scenario that that's not going to happen. And that's what I love about the body. It's like nature. It happens in a certain way and there's nothing you can do about it, but just go with the flow of it. And I find body talking on any somatic experience, anything that brings mm -hmm. you to your body, for me, because I'm so physical, it's so helpful. And that's why I became an acupuncturist, right? Because I, I yeah. always was like, I can bypass the mind by shifting the energy of the body. And then the mind and the energy, the mind will then follow. Right. Get yeah. things flowing, moving that stagnation, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. so important to have those types of practices in as options because for I mean we're so lucky to live in a time where we have these types of options that we can right. choose different modalities and see which one works for you yeah and and I think it can be a combination for people to, and, yeah. and most always is I know for me it was I went from one modality to the next to the next mm -hmm. to the next and I think you, we had a conversation you you've um, incorporated a lot into your work as well um, and it's it's a it's a personal com uh, combination and, and to be able to follow the heart and the gut and, and, yeah. and know what's right for you and what's not working, I think is a lot of that. So really getting in tune. Yeah. And I think that's where the self-love comes in because when you start to pour love inside yourself, then your love will guide you to be like, oh, talk to this person, do this, do that. Yes. And I'm always amazed when I listen to my heart and my heart is insisting on me doing something. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. And then something miraculous happens. I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. <laughs> my heart's so smart. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't I always listen? Um, I but love it. It's about intuition, right? Listening to your heart. Right. And, and I think it takes a lot of practice because I, at least for me, my experience, I find that the heart is quiet. It's a very like quiet sensation. It's a, it's a, it feels like a deep exhalation. Like just, just, just do this 
and it's very simple where the mind is like do this and do that and da -da 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 -da. and there's so right. much noise that you can get lost in the noise of it and it feels at least in my mind because my i feel like i have i call my, my i feel like my mind can be like a lawyer with the dissertations and the evidence and all of that <laughs> yep and and it's so easy to follow the mind because the mind has all the backing it says you should do this because of x y and z and it's taking me years and i'm, I'm still working on it to listen to that quiet and be like, okay, no, I'm going to move in this direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it usually feels good too. Yeah. That warm, I don't know, for me, it's like a warm sensation. Um, I actually have a little tool in my book. Um, it's in a chapter that, um, I can't remember what I named the chapter and I've changed it so many times, something about uh, divine guidance, learn to listen. It's something like that. Mm -hmm. And I have a little exercise in there. I'll kind of um, briefly describe here right now. Um, one of my instructors taught me and it, it was really for listening. And, and she said, okay, so close your eyes and say the word yes over and over and over again, silent, silently to yourself. So you, Close your eyes and you repeat the word, yes, yes, yes. And you feel what that feels like in your heart region. And then you're going to take a moment now and you're going to switch that and you're going to say the word no over and over again in your head. No, no, no. And then take a minute to see what that feels like. And for me, and it's different for everybody, for me, the yes is kind of a light bubbly feeling mm -hmm. and the no is more like a pushing down and it can almost feel like a harsh you know, stomp sometimes. And I thought that was just so key to have a starting point of what it might feel like to get an answer from your heart mm -hmm. <laughs> or get a response. You know, what yeah. does a yes feel like? What does a no feel like? Yeah. And yeah. you can start to get some different feelings in there to connect with and, and figure out what a yes is for you and figure out what a yes, or excuse me, a no is for you. Right. And then you have a language to start with. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was so important. That's so good. And I, so that's a great way. And I, I'll start telling that to people that I work with. Cause I, the other way that I do is mm -hmm. the contract contraction and relaxation. Ooh, I want to hear this. <laughs> so I, at least for me, I'm a very, like I mentioned, I'm very physical. So my body's very reactive. So it's uh -huh. taken me a, a long time to kind of figure it out. But I know when I'm, when my body's a yes, or my heart's telling me something, my whole body relaxed. It's like a, okay, it's, it mm -hmm. feels, but when I'm doing something that doesn't feel right, my whole body contracts mm -hmm. and I get really, really tight. And so this for me, one. when I know I'm in this tight space, I'm like, oh, I'm in fear. This is not my mind is telling me to do this, but I don't really feel it. And whenever I push against it, it's always a disaster. And then I'm right. like, why didn't I listen to my relaxation space? So mm -hmm. I'm always trying to get into that space of relaxation and being like, okay, my heart's telling me to move here. Okay. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good. I mean, it mm -hmm. feels good, but it doesn't in your mind. It's like, I'm like, I don't know. And there's all this doubt, but then I've learned to trust the relaxation in my body, even if my mind is telling me something else. Right. I have a, a little story that kind of, kind of goes with that a little bit for the, the listening. Um, I was driving in Southern California on one of those six lane freeways. And it was a strange day where there was like nobody in front of me on the six lane freeway. Very rare for, for California. Right. And I was coming up for this little crest of a hill, not, not a very, very big one, but I couldn't quite see over the hill. And I was in one of the fast lanes and I'm just driving along, you know, roads clear, not a worry. 
And all of a sudden I'm like, you should move two lanes over to the right. I just get, I keep getting this feeling in my chest and I keep hearing you should move two lanes over the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking around. I look behind me. I'm like, why would I move over right now? I'm like, I'm questioning it. And these cars behind me, I think I'm nuts just for moving over for no reason. I'm like, no, they aren't. But my head was telling me that. And so I entertained the idea and I moved over two lanes and all of a sudden there was a pipe laying across both lanes that, the lanes that I was in like this big metal pipe across. And I was like, Oh, that's why I needed to move over two lanes. And that really, it was a sign for me to pay attention to that voice. And I really, I really have tried. I can't say I always do now. I try to listen mm-hmm. to that voice, that little one that you try to go and kind of flick it off, you know, the little angel and devil on the cartoons that we used right. to see. Right. right. No, don't tell me that. So yeah, listening to that sometimes, even if it seems weird, like just changing lanes for no reason. Absolutely. The guidance. The guidance is, I feel like for me, that's God, divine, divinity, love, all of those things I would equate to listening to that part inside myself because I'm just like, okay, this is my higher guidance telling me something for my great for my benefit. Right. And it definitely makes a difference when you start to listen to your intuition. Like every day I'm like, okay, listening, listening and getting into mm-hmm. that quiet place. And I feel like we're in a world where it's so challenging to be quiet. We have the internet, we have social media, we have emails. <laughs> it's like TV, entertainment. I mean, we're being right. bombarded all the time. I wrote a little bit about that in a section of my book, which was actually part of that whole self-love transition for me when my mom died, I started to realize I I watched a movie one night shortly after she died and it just took me through the gamut of emotions. I was happy. I was sad. I felt the love. I felt anger and rage and I felt distress and, you know, just like everything you could possibly think of to feel in two hours. And I was exhausted afterwards and I really sat and thought about it. And I, at that point I was in my late twenties and it was an epiphany for me that I had been controlled by the TV (laughs) and movies and whatever entertainment. And so I, I kind of went drastic cold Turkey and I turned everything off. And, and again, that's when I dove into life, I got into the healing arts and this and that. And I started really, what I say is living life through my human avatar rather than through a virtual reality and through some other virtual avatar on a screen. And it just, it shifted my life. That was really, I mean, I did a lot of things. I wrote a lot about these, these types of little shifts that I made, but that was one that was huge. And when I started bringing entertainment back in, I started making more conscious choices about it. What music are you listening to? Is that that sappy old love song stuff that you were listening to when you were with so-and-so get rid of that. There's new love songs if you really want a love song, but hey, I like this song over here. It's kind of about women in power, you know, or, you know, things like that. So I started bringing in stuff that wasn't going to take me down the sappy road and instead was going to empower me. Um, a lot of attraction. I started just inundating myself with the audiobooks, just like, okay, I got to hear it all the time. I got to hear it all the time. <laughs> if I do that, then, then I'll shift, you know? Right. And it was work. It was work. But like I said, it all pointed back to the same thing, back to the heart, back to being good to myself first, and then I could yeah. be good to others. Yeah. It's you it's know? so important to do that work because I've, and I'm still in the process of trying to figure out where my space is 
in terms of indulging in entertainment and then finding that space of quiet because I go cold turkey, like you said, I, I mm-hmm. cut off everything. And then I go, then I go watching TV. I binge watch TV for like a weekend or something. Like I haven't found that space where I can take it in and not take it in. And part of me likes it. I like, you know, I like movies and all of these things. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed over the years is that my, I could allow my view of myself to be dictated by what I see on television, what I read. Yes. Like, cause you're kind of like, oh, I don't see myself in these situations. Why is that? And then you start to go down this whole, like, I don't look this way. I don't act this way. I'm not on Instagram with all these models. Like it's just a, a path of self-deprecation, self-loathing, self-hatred. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. isn't necessary, which I find is done, I don't know, on purpose, but it's very, very, it feels almost deliberate to make people confused about who they are. Right. And right. if you're confused on who you are, then how can you really be an empowered person making conscious, loving decisions in the world if you're lost in this mayhem? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's good to make conscious decisions what you listen to. Like I don't watch certain movies. Like I just won't ever watch a horror movie, crime movie. There's certain things I just don't watch. I'm like I don't need to see that. Right. And we and we can make a choice, right? Yeah. We can right. make a choice. And I think that's that part where you're saying when we we can be healthy and strong, connected with our hearts and grounded and know who we are, then we can choose what we bring in and stuff. Right. And I don't know, maybe there's people that are stronger than I am, but I had to just turn it off. <laughs> I agree. That was the easiest way for me. And yeah. I try to make things easy for myself um, because because I would get sucked back in. I'd walk into somebody's house and something be on. And, What's that? I know. <laughs> it's, 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 TV is intense. Like, I don't have a TV in my house. Like, I refuse yeah. to buy a TV just because just the energy of having a television there feels like I'm, I'm going to turn it on. <laughs> I've, I've gotten... I do so much more and shoot, I wrote a book now. I mean, right. I'm like, you know, I do things. Um, I garden, I, I spend time training my dogs, I, you know, and really interact with things and go mountain biking and enjoy nature. And there's just so much out there. I have to tell you the, the, you know, the little ring cameras that we have now, we put one up this morning, the little ring thing went off. It was a squirrel and the squirrel went out onto the sidewalk and turned over, started rolling around, wiggling around and scratching his back on this little rough spot on the sidewalk. And then he got up and he left. <laughs> and it's just like, that's nature. And I'm, I don't usually see that. That was happening. That happened at 4am on my camera and I'm not out to see it, you know? Yeah. And, but those squirrels have been doing that for centuries, <laughs> maybe not on the sidewalk, but, <laughs> but it was cute to see it rolling around and playing something that I don't usually get to see. And that, that really encompassed to me, like what we should be doing, rolling around and, and frolicking in nature, you know, in, in balance, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just a good reminder this morning. <laughs> yeah. The creature life is happening all around us and yeah. it's not all um, just in a screen. Yeah. Right. So if we can just step out there and, and participate, I think, I don't, I don't know, at least for me, when I was growing up and the people I was around, everybody thought their lives were so boring because they watched, like you say, you watch TV, oh, you know, and, and that drama that they wanted in their life. And I think after losing my mother and going through some other drama, it was just like, 
I don't need any more drama in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I need some peace. And so I kind of related that it's like, okay, well, I can't control all the hardship in the world and the chaos and everything that we see on the news, but I can control a little bit what's coming into my home and into my ears and eyes and my heart. Right. (laughs) And when my heart's had too much, I can turn it down, turn it off, do something else. And then, you know, I I can deal with Twitter now, (laughs) you know, I can deal with the craziness on there. Um, I, I call still it per- can't. I still can't I, deal with Twitter. I call it piranhas. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. I've never understood Twitter. It's been the one. Uh, Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat. I'm like, yeah, some of the newer ones. I I I learned a little bit about Twitter, but it's definitely a different animal than than. I mean, each one has their own, its own life, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, own, own purposes and it's so, but it's moderation. Those, yeah, it's just one of those things where I mean, I I grew up. I was born in the 80s and I feel really blessed that I had some years of not having social media because when I was in high school, we didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And it really started in the 2000s and I was already in college. I was outside of college when it all started. And I just feel so grateful that I had that those times when I didn't understand or had social media. And now it's just fascinating because I was laughing because my client 17 and she was explaining Snapchat to me. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is, I was like flashing back to when I was young and I used to berate my mom for not knowing how to do things. Like, you don't know how to use a TV. Like I thought I was so like advanced (laughs) and here I am in the same situation where a 17 year old is talking to me about something that I'm just like, wow. It's so, it's just interesting reflection that I I was just like, I got to call my mom and apologize for (laughs) the judgment when I was 17. I was like, you don't know how to use a VCR. And, Uh um, because I don't know how to do a lot of these things these young kids are talking about. I'm just like, I don't know how to Snapchat. I don't know what that even means. Me neither. I'm with you. I'm just like, it's so fascinating how time has changed and what your priorities are when you start to grow up. And mm-hmm. it's just so, it's just so beautiful to see. Like, I'm just... We're I'm in just, a big shift. We're in a big shift. And I think it's just interesting. I like being around younger people because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, right. I used to think that. And... Mm-hmm. Now it's like, I don't think that anymore. And it's nice to know that our, we evolve in our thinking as we get older and let things go and heal and start right. to um, evolve as a soul and as a person. The process continues. It's never it, ending. That's why it's it, called the infinite love. <laughs> it's right? never ending. We're, we're, it's such a magical time right now, too. I think it's, it, it's stressful and there can be a lot of anxiety right now, but a lot of the thing that I try to teach people that work with me is that we can, we can embrace this as a challenge rather than a threat right now. Mm-hmm. And we're born this time for a reason because we're powerful, right? Yeah. Each one of us is powerful. So if we can cultivate our, our power, that power of the heart, mm-hmm. it won't, we can't go wrong. And- yeah. And it's absolutely true. And I also feel like it's an amazing time because you know, I'm reading these historical books and I'm thinking about like women as women, like how much rights we have now that we wouldn't have had even like 50 years ago and how so many of us don't have to worry about the basic like air. I mean, not air, but like water, electricity, like Mm -hmm. the basic survival stuff is taken care of for the most part. 
that we could focus on our heart and focus on our spiritual growth. Cause we wouldn't be able to do this. At least I know I wouldn't be if I was worried about shelter and hunting and gathering right, and right. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So and I think it's, sure, yeah, it's making a nice sure we time. have what we need. <laughs> yeah. We live in a good time where we can focus on these things, which, so it's like, I'm like, okay, modern technology is kind of crazy, but we have all these pluses and minuses. Like we get to have zoom calls and right. So there is a aspect of it that's really wonderful and all the medical stuff advancements. So there's a good and bad into it, but I'm definitely like, gosh, I don't wonder what the world's going to look like in 50 years. Right. Time will tell. And I think all of us stepping up right now, doing the work, um, there's a lot of possibilities. So cross our fingers and keep networking and (laughs) all of us doing our our heart work. Yeah, I'm praying that the heart will win this crazy thing called life, especially the last couple of years. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Evil is definitely. Right. Is, well, uh... They say that, you know, the, the the light of the heart, you know, diminishes the darkness. Right. So you think of lighting a candle in a dark room. Mm-hmm. Poof. It's just how long does a poof really take? <laughs> Are we living in this long <laughs> poof of time, of this light that's starting to diminish it? I'm you know, metaphorically, is that what's happening? And I, I like know. to think it is, but hopefully this, this poof of light will, will illuminate quickly. Yeah, I hope so. I was watching Star Trek, which is the one of the things I do enjoy watching. And <laughs> there, there was an episode where they were talking about Earth, how Earth, after a certain point, there was no longer, everything that we're dealing with right now that no longer exists. There was no fights over race and war and money and all this stuff. They had evolved to, they had evolved to a different space. And I was like, Oh my God, that's possible. (laughs) I was like watching this sci-fi. I was like, Oh my God, we can be in a place where this is not the reality. Like it was really hopeful. I was like, okay, that must Mm. be an interesting. And then of course they fight over other things. Like they have other problems, but what we're dealing with right now is not the problem. So I was thinking, God, it's going to be interesting where the world evolves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is a big test too, caring for each other and keeping each other safe right now and just doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge. It's a challenge for for a lot of people. Totally. Well, let's get into some infinite love questions. Okay. So the first one is, how do you express love in your work? Hmm. In my work, I would say deep listening, being present, really deep, deep listening and allowing things to drop into the heart before I respond. So I can, I can really come from a, from a place of groundedness, centered heart capacity. I like to call it heart quarters. I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the second question is where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Hmm. Wow. I think when I realized that the act of forgiving was for me, me forgiving other people, it was to relieve the heaviness on my heart. It wasn't so much for the other person because a lot of times they aren't even thinking about the thing that I'm thinking. They're, they're not even upset about the, the whatever. Sometimes someone is, there's a, a, a grievance or something that needs to be solved. But I think just the act of me in my heart, acknowledging that the other person is doing the best that they can from the place that they are in life, from the circumstances that they were born into or living under, um, 
I think I heard Deepak Chopra say something like that one time. It's everyone's uh, doing their best from their current state of consciousness. And I had, had to mold that a little bit to make it fit. Sometimes my, my ego didn't want to make it fit. Oh no, they're not doing their best. Well, for them, they are, they think they're doing their best. And at this moment, I'm going to forgive them. And with that, it, it lets go of like this gripping. It's almost feel like I had to hold on to this anger towards someone, this bitterness or this grudge or whatever. And I'm not good at that. I'm not good at holding grudges. Um, and that wasn't part of me. And so I think when I really realized that it's like forgiving someone else, you're really lightening your own load. Yeah, absolutely. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? I think that would be holding space for me when I was grieving, when I was weak, when my light wasn't shining brightly in my heart, um, to have someone there to listen and not try to fix it, not try to correct it, tell you what to do, how you should do it. Those types of things It just let me grieve. Just let me let it out. Let me be sad instead of trying to stop me from being sad or stop the pain. Um, grief has to happen or it gets stuck. <laughs> if we try to stop yeah. it, it, it can't express itself and go through that process that it needs to go through to be what I call a healthy grief. Um, and so when we stifle it, um, it can just manifest in all kinds of ways, whether it's a disease or emotions or things. So I think that's probably one of the biggest gifts I've ever received from someone, someone able to just be there for me and, and be the one that could hear it, listen to it and allow it and not try to stop it. Yeah, I agree. What do you love most about your life? <laughs> what do I love most? I think and it's going to sound kind of funny here. Of course, this is infinite love. So we're going to go back to the heart. We're going to dive back to that. Um, I love that I understand that the heart is in charge and that I can go to the heart whenever things are out of whack, whether it's my body, my emotions, the relationship, um, work, whatever it is, there's this quiet space you can come back to with the breath. And it, it takes practice, but it's there. <laughs> we sometimes have to really sit with our breath, but I love that I have that now and that I can facilitate, facilitate that with other people. I can help them connect in with that to find that piece of grounding in, in their life amidst all the chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel you receive love? Hmm. Receiving love. When I'm in gratitude, I say I'm most open to receiving love in that state. So probably one of the easiest ways for me to get there if I'm not there would be to think say of my furry little dog or something that gives me that warm fuzzy feeling and that's that allowing of it in so if when I feel gratitude for the love of an animal for a partner for a family member or for just the the sun coming up in the morning a beautiful flower um, that feeling of appreciation and that that's love to me that that calm appreciation it's a, a sense of being that um can bathe you i guess 
And I think being in that, that sense of um, the attitude of gratitude, as they say, mm-hmm. really opens up that gate. Yeah, it does. And where has love created a miracle in your life? Hmm. A shift in perception by seeing things through love. So being able to drop down into the heart um, when I don't agree with someone or something, someone's opinion, say it's a post on social media that I strongly disagree with or something I feel is harmful to the community or whatever. And I may just want to say something just, oh, don't, you shouldn't be posting this. You should take a moment, drop down into the heart, take some breaths and then respond. What would the heart say right now? Not what would I say, but what would the heart say? And nine times out of 10, maybe it's 10 times out of 10, I can usually find a soft, subtle, wise way to say something maybe to that person with a post that's not lashing out, that's not in fear, that's not um, an aggressive type behavior. And instead is something that maybe will make the person stop and think about it instead of reacting and, oh, you know, go away. Don't tell me what to do, that that kind of thing. So I think having that tool of the heart to be able to drop in and what what would the heart say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it truly is miraculous being able to shift your perspective because it changes your whole life. It it changes everything. And when we change how we act, then others change how they react to us. True. Truth. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. how can people connect with you, work with you, find your books? Um, I'd love to hear about that. I have my website. You can visit, uh, it's myantidote.life. And there's a couple of free things you can get there. Um, you can get my free book download. If you go to the get book page, scroll to the bottom, click to get the free book. And then that will also give you access to a brain balancing video from the body talk system. Um, that's very helpful in stressful situations. And uh, the book itself is called anxiety antidote your guide for life's challenges. And chapters four through 12 are kind of like a workbook guide kind of set up to help you with tools and tips and practices um, to help make it happen. Nice. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. you so much. This is a beautiful conversation. Oh, I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for having me here. And I would love to come back in the future um, when, uh, when the time permits. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm sending you lots of love and happy holidays. This is recorded a little bit before Christmas. So uh, thank you. You as well. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.